0: you leave your nine to five this year and then i'm going to tell you what you need to know about upcoming pay cuts how they might affect you and what you do if you have to face it let's go helping you win at work so you can win in life this is the ken coleman show all right a lot of headlines in the news about executives of big companies taking pay cuts. Some are voluntary, some are uh, not voluntary. In other words, they've been voluntold, if you've heard that phrase before. And this is just the nature of uncertain economic times and companies trying to read the tea leaves to the best of their ability when they see economists and and people talking about a potential recession, which has been kind of thrown around for the last year. And and yet it hasn't materialized, but nonetheless, that's the game that big public companies play when you've got a stock price involved. They've got to be uh, delivering the right returns for their stockholders, and so that means they're constantly in this, you know, uh, juggling match with uh, revenues and expenses. And so, you'll see a lot of this, you know, from time to time, where big-time executives and, and big-time companies will announce things. So, just, you know, it, it, it just can happen. And uh, and, and we're going to talk about that in, in the next segment. But, uh, because of that, people are more and more open to this gig economy, in other words, Uh, I might have multiple different gigs, and then the collective of all of those gigs uh, give me a lot of flexibility financially and professionally. And then you add in inflation is up, doesn't seem to be cooling anytime soon. Uh, Gen Z being very, very mobile in their entire life. And now they're entering the workforce more and more each day. And so you take all that together, layoffs, recession, executives and companies looking to trim their their salaries, and all of a sudden – LinkedIn publishes as a result, I think of all of those factors. LinkedIn publishes its annual list of big ideas for 2023. And one of them was the gig work trend or the side hustle or freelancing kind of just mash all that together is going to be a very, very popular trend. And I think that's right. Now, why is the gig economy or freelance work side hustles, you know, why is it so popular? Well, It allows you to increase your income, maybe to adjust for inflation, to save up money, to prepare yourself for a potential layoff. It also diversifies your income, which is always good. If one dries up or one lessens up, I can pour in more time over here. And then they offer a lot of perks, You know, the the companies are doing more than they've ever done before to attract workers. And so, if I'm working here and I'm working there and I'm working here and I've got all these multiple streams of income, A, I'm increasing income. I'm setting myself up because I've got diversification. And then I got a lot of perks. 51% of Gen Z workers are identifying as freelance or gig workers compared to just 36% of all other ages. So, again, the mobility the flexibility gen zers they they've grown up in this kind of world where everything is just kind of free flow on the move all the time in between their things and in, and they're on the, all these social media platforms and they everything's fluid you know they'll sit in a car and text each other they're all sitting in the same car and that's all again a behavior of you know i'm kind of disconnected think about it they've never been more connected than they are now you know once they got the phones and social media and they're wildly connected i was making fun of one of my boys the other day um we were sitting watching tv alex we we're watching sports or something and i'm going to use my phone as example and, I, and i'm not worried about embarrassing him because they don't watch my show and so he's we're sitting in my bonus room upstairs watching sports and he does this somewhere right here And I thought to myself, oh, he's looking at his hair. I would never use my device to look at my hair, but I get it. And then he did it about 20 seconds later. He gave it this cool look. And I realized what he was doing is he was he was snapping a photo and just telling people, I'm in my I'm in my house watching TV. Just they're connected. They take pictures of themselves and tell everybody, I'm at my house right now. Wherever they are. And so so then. And like a day later, he I took him somewhere, and he's in the car, and he's doing the same thing. So I started making fun of him. He got all irritated. But this is the example of they're they're more connected than ever, but they're disconnected. And what I mean by that is they're connected with devices, and everybody knows where they are, but there's not that true connection where... If I'm sitting in a in, in a car with my buddies, we're talking it up, man. We're yucking it up. We're laughing. We're telling stories. We're opining on whatever's going on in the world. We're actually engaging. You don't see two fifty-year-old dudes going like this, and and, and 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 sending a picture to my my buddy, hey, I just want you to know I'm about ready to cut my grass. We don't we don't do that. Uh, so. <laughs> So the point is is that this Gen Z group is like, I'll just do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and the gig economy is going to be very, very popular for a long time to come. Now, so the question is, should you leave your 9-to-5 job this year and go all gig, all freelance? All right? It's a viable question is my point. That was the setup. So let me just give you some practical things you do. Number one, you got to research. And research starts with you searching yourself. All right, so I'm just going to look at my skills and my experience. First two things. If I'm thinking about the gig economy or freelance work, i got to start with what do I have to bring to the table. So I want to search myself and and write, write down my list of what I think my skills and experience are that might lend themselves to freelance work. And then I go start researching platforms like Upwork. The most in-demand freelance skills are accounting, lead generation, data entry, customer service, graphic design. Skills with the highest year-over-year growth and earnings on Upwork's platform were sales and business development, 54%. Data entry, 47%. Accounting, 45%. 3D animation, 44%. So that's the research I want to see. Now that I know what I bring to the table, skills and experience, what's out there. And now I start the calculation is step two. How much side gig can I make or how much money in my side gig or freelance work can I make? Can I make 50% of what I'm making in my day job? Can I make more? And this is just simple math once I begin to realistically see what is possible or how long I would have to make this amount of side money to then make the 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 the, uh, the step, not the leap from day job to the multiple side gigs or just full-time freelance that's the deal research and calculate it's a math thing I, 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 how much money would i need and so i'm going to go side gig it freelance it until i can build up a really nice emergency fund or a slush fund if i were to go full time i've got some money to pay myself that's the plan so it may be time to leave the nine to five go check it out All right, folks, welcome back. If you are enjoying this show and you're watching via YouTube, would you subscribe to our show and share it? If you think there's somebody that could really uh, get the help of getting unstuck or getting some clarity uh, to help them get out of that confusing what-do-I-do-next situation? That'd be great. If you listen via podcast, would you follow us, give us a five-star review, and share with a friend? Uh, We would appreciate that. All right. So I, at the top of the program, I teased that I was going to cover this because we talked about the, the gig economy, the freelance work, and kind of deciding, you know, should I leave the nine-to-five day job uh, for more flexibility, and uh, I touched on this, and so... I want you to just get the picture here of what's happening at the higher levels, what could happen to you, and I'm going to give you four things to do if you were to take a pay cut because I don't want you freaking out. Uh, It always sucks, but I'm going to give you four practical financial things that you can do, all right? But let's just set the scene. Um, Amazon is one of the biggest companies in the world, so I, I use them as an example all the time. Uh, Amazon's corporate employees will make less money in 2023 according to those uh, who are aware of this and this is reported to the Wall Street Journal this week. According to the report, Amazon pays its corporate employees a large chunk of their annual salaries in restricted stock units, which is very, very normal for large public companies. So stock is a big part of their pay package. But if you haven't been paying attention to this, 2022's Stock performance for Amazon will mean that their total salary is going to slip between somewhere between this is a pretty this is a pretty sizable slip between fifteen and fifteen excuse me fifteen and fifty percent that's a pretty big slide okay uh, this is happening with other companies and other executives I could go through the list one by one by one you don't need me to do that uh, that's available to you uh, on your favorite news website. Uh, But it's in the news every day where you've got some big time CEOs are voluntarily uh, taking a cut and they're saying, hey, I'm going to step out in front of this deal. And I'm going to try to model the way. And then you've got a lot of companies are saying, look, across the board for our executive level, everybody's going to kind of take one for the team, if you will. Okay. Now, it is possible when we see news like this, and that's why I'm reporting just this this story and then helping you see that a lot of large public companies are asking their senior-level executives uh, to take a pay cut, forcing it, you know, the whole nine yards. So understand that this is a little bit of that, you know, companies start seeing this, it starts getting reported, and all of a sudden what was Maybe be unpalatable for one leadership group or a CEO when they see other companies doing it and it be, and it's reported and they go, well, this is kind of what the trend is right now. So they get a little bit more courage is my point. And so do not be surprised in this calendar year to see more news around pay cuts. Hey, we paid you well. Profits have changed. We're trying to uh, prepare for a, a potential recession. And so here's what we're going to do. And so we're going to cut our expenses up. We're not going to lay you off, but we're going to change your compensation package. All right? This very well could happen. Okay, so let's just set this up. Before I give you the practical, let's talk about the mental and the emotional because there is no way, no matter how well it's explained, no matter how much financial sense it makes, if this is brought to you, and by the way, <laughs> it is safe to say that I'm making a very large assumption that it would be explained to you well, and that it would make a lot of sense. That's, that's in an extremely healthy situation. All right? So it may not make a lot of sense, and it may not be explained very well. All right, so you have two scenarios. Makes a lot of sense, explained well, or it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's not explained well, but either way, it sucks. Best case scenario, it still sucks. It's explained well, makes sense. It still doesn't feel good when you go, I was making this and now I'm going to make this. It's just a psychological grenade. Shrapnel everywhere affects me mentally, affects me emotionally, and because of those two things, could affect me physically. Could affect me relationally if we're living way too tight and we don't have any margin. This is real. Okay? All right. So with that being the context, all right, we got to understand that it's going to have that kind of negative effect on me, and I've got to be prepared to deal with that. Okay? Whether that's going and riding your motorcycle, going and chopping wood, heading to the gym, running, taking your kids to a fun movie, taking a half personal day to get yourself right. I mean, I just want to make sure, I don't want to just kind of, you know, slide over the fact that in order to be able to do what I'm going to tell you to do practically when you take a pay cut, we've got to be in a a good place mentally and emotionally to do so. We don't make good decisions when we are reeling emotionally and mentally. And a pay cut will do that to anybody. Even somebody who's making big bucks to where it doesn't affect their livelihood in any way, it still affects us psychologically and emotionally. So, get centered. Get some perspective, get some people around you to lighten you up, get you in a better headspace. Now here's what you've got to do. Step one, and these are just super practical, but when you get a pay cut, if a pay cut is, is brought to you, the first thing you've got to do is look at your budget. Some of you may not even do a budget, but in this moment, if there was ever a good time to do a budget, it's when you take a pay cut. and you got to get real numbers in front of you so you are dealing with realities because remember i just talked about how it feels psychologically and that will just take the voice of fear and doubt and just ignite them they're yelling at you so we've got to look at real numbers we got to look at a budget and the first thing i'm going to do is i'm cutting expensive my my pay has been cut so i've got to react in kind and cut every membership every subscription Everything you can cut. Cutting out meals that we're doing out and we're going to just tighten up immediately. Why? To blunt the damage as best as possible. Second, I'm immediately thinking about side gigs. We talked about this to start the show. I'm I'm looking for freelance work. Anything I can get, because if I take a, I'm just making this up, I take an 8% cut then I'm going. All right, what does that really mean in my paycheck? What what's my take home difference? And that's the budgeting process to really get this. And go okay. So I'm making this up as a round number. So I'm making $600 less per month, real take home money. How am I going to make up for the $600 cut by me cutting my expenses? Or and or is what I like here. And or I'm going to go make the money in a side gig. Hey, how about selling some stuff? Selling stuff you got, maybe learning how to flip some stuff, now that we get that budget right, right? So these are other things I can do. And then I think the last thing is is you got to be looking for a new gig. I think you have to consider a new gig. It's a very healthy thing to do. You're not jumping, you're not running, but you're going, okay, I took a cut here, is there a healthier environment And I've got to look at this. And it just gives me perspective. Even if I don't make the jump, it gives me perspective that I'm not landlocked, if you will, into this one company that's clearly making some cuts for some reasons that, you know, I don't have any control over. And so what it does is it gives me more confidence because I'm clear that, oh, I have some options. So quick review, I'm going to get a budget in play and I'm going to cut expenses everywhere. I'm going to look for that side hustle, gig work, freelance work to make up for and maybe even make more than the cut I just took. I'm going to sell stuff to help get that savings where it needs to be and provide a cushion and then I'm going to look for a new gig and hey, here's what you're going to learn it's not the end of the world you're going to be okay, don't freak out (laughs) oh man i love talking about email alex this is a little reminder we got to talk about i gotta i almost need to do one little teaching lesson a month on the tyranny of email i feel like i I gotta be a superhero on that issue that's a little thought we were talking during the break making fun of me and my out of office i've never done an out of office response one time in my life never once don't even know how to set it up But can, just a little aside on this. Do you know why I've never had to do an out of office email thing? Because the people I work with know when I'm out of the office. You know why? Because we actually talk to each other. Hi, my name is Chronic Emailer. I'm going to email you something that I could tell you. Drives me bananas. Walk down the hall and talk to somebody. It's like these kids, right? I got three teenagers. They're texting me from upstairs the other night, Alex. I get a text. I go to get my phone. Oh, somebody's texting me a friend, a family member from out of state or not in my house. I look at it. It's my kid. He's upstairs. What are you doing? I literally said, I will not respond to this via text. Come downstairs. No, emoji. I know I'm on a rant, but gosh, can we just bring the humanness back to our communication? You sending me 17 emails creates more work for me as opposed to you walking up to me going hey ken what do you think you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go go back to your desk i'm gonna email my response oh no, i'm kidding i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna give you an answer come on all right kimberly's up next in salt lake city utah kimberly you're on the ken coleman show hi how are you kimberly doing a well, how about yourself oh you know i'm a little rowdy a little grumpy about email right now but i'm getting over it <laughs> fair enough yeah how can i help you Okay. So I'm currently in the job search right now looking for entry level positions. But the feedback I keep on getting every time I send in an application is that I don't have enough experience to get the job, but to get the experience I need the job. Yeah, I've heard this call many, many times before, and I'm gonna <laughs> challenge your I'm gonna challenge what you're saying to me. Okay. Um uh, Do you feel like there are people who have come in and gotten that job without experience before? Do you think there's anywhere in the world where someone goes, this is entry-level position and no experience is needed because they train you on the job? Do you think that exists? Yes. Okay. So is it possible that you are applying for a position that is too high up the ladder? In other words, the people that are in that position now, they must have done something else before that got them the experience that they needed To get that job. Do you think that that's logical? Yes, it is very logical. So, that means that there are only two possibilities as to why you're getting the you-need-more-experience response. Either A, they're lying to you because they just don't have the courage to go, we don't want you, Kimberly. Or B, you are applying for a job that is too high up the ladder for you right now. Meaning, you have got to lower your sights in the in in the in the immediate so that we can get in and be able to climb to the future that we want and i think your situation sure. is option 2 so what kind of job is it that you have been applying for i've been applying for things in the communications and public relations industries okay great I'm very familiar with this because I have we have a public relations department here at Ramsey Solutions. I work day in, day out with publicists. In fact, right before today's show, I was huddling with two publicists to give them some talking points for a Fox News thing I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm very familiar with how it works. But there are entry-level positions in publicity, true or false? There are. That's what you need to do. I'm so sorry because it sucks, doesn't it? Because you're like, oh, I see this shiny thing over here I want to but they keep telling me I need two to three years experience. I'm guessing you need these things you've been applying for. How many years experience are they saying you need? the um, so one to two years. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. So here's my point. The people that are in those positions, what did they do before they got in that position? There's your answer. It's research. Yeah. The people that are uh-huh. in those positions... What did they do before they got that position? And therein lies where you're aiming. And you're going to get it because they need people to start out. They need people at entry-level publicity positions. It may not be what you're excited about, but again, it's like, okay, nobody ever gets excited about the first couple steps of a hike or a climb, do we? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> what, what do you get excited about on a climb or a hike? The view. Yeah, the destination. So I hope that doesn't discourage you. I'm I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to help you refocus. Your perspective needs to go. I have to do what I must do in order to do what I want to do. So that means yeah, I gotta no, that go. makes sense. Yeah. Now, do you already have some ideas of which way you need to go and where you need to set your sights? No. Okay. So I'm going to give you my book called The Proximity Principle. Okay. This is the number one best selling book. It's a deep dive into stage three of my seven stages. Stage one is get clear. You're clear on what you want to do. Stage two is get Mm -hmm. qualified. You have some basic qualifications, but now you need to get more qualified by taking entry level positions. Yeah. All right. Stage three is get connected. It is connections in this case that you have to focus on you've got to talk to people that are doing the publicity work you eventually want to do. So the proximity principle says in order to do what Kimberly wants to do, she's got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. So you've got to get around publicists and go, Hey, I've been applying for these positions, but they say I need more experience. So what are some positions I need to be looking for to get in and get my feet wet and then be available and qualified and ready to step up the ladder. So you are now connecting with publicists who are winning in the industry, and you just go, hey, I've been applying for these type of roles, they say I need one to two years, so I need to get in, what's the best way to get in? And those men and women are gonna be able to give you tremendous knowledge and wisdom, and if you do it with a great spirit of, I just wanna learn, I wanna be you one day. How do I get started? Where would you tell me to look? What is the key to getting in and winning and moving up? and you do that with a spirit of enthusiasm and hunger and humility, you're going to get good answers and I will tell you, you will also get good connections out of that. They will sometimes uh, just give you good information, but many times they will give you a connection and introduce you to somebody who then hires you. So the book is called The Proximity Principle. I'll give you whatever format you want, audio, ebook, or hard copy. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. All right, hang on the line. You got this! And, 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 you know, this is such a fun little principle. It's, uh, over my shoulder here for those of you that are viewing and, uh, this, this, this book, uh, it was a fun project for me. I wrote it, uh, gee, when did that come out? 2019 maybe. And, and what happened was, is I was on the phone one day, uh, coaching someone just like Kimberly. And, uh, the guy said to me, he said, Hey, I, I'm looking to switch and pivot from one industry to another. And I don't, obviously know a whole lot of people. I don't have a whole lot of experience in that industry and I'm absolutely confident where I want to go. I just don't know how to get there. And, uh, earlier that morning I had been in my car at a stoplight and I was reviewing a podcast interview. I was going to be a guest on a podcast and the, and the guy said me one of the questions was that he pre-submitted was, uh, how did you go from not having any experience in broadcasting to making your way in it? And I, was making some notes in my phone and one of the things I said was it was about people and places. I was good about getting myself around the right people and in the right places and it led to opportunities. It was really about proximity. And I'm saying all this at the stoplight and then I went, oh, that's the proximity principle and I made it up. The proximity principle says in order to do what I want to do, I've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. Watch this. Here's the formula. The right people plus the right places, equals opportunity. Who says you got to kick the door down all the time? No. Proximity principle, right people, plus the right places, equals opportunity showing up and knocking on my door. Hey folks, I got to get out of here, but remember this, you matter, you have what it takes. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.